We got a great interview for you guys today. I think you're gonna learn a lot from it. It's about public banking among other things and divestment movements. And in the studio with us is Phoenix Goodman and Trinity Tran. Now, you guys, well, Trinity is the founder of Revolution LA and Divest LA. And you were on really early as well, Phoenix, on those. And then you guys are co-founders of Public Bank LA. So I'm super curious about public banking. Before we get there, let's start at the beginning, Revolution LA. I'm in LA, that's fun. What's the revolution? How can I join? What are we doing? So Revolution LA started in 2014 and it was organic as possible. We started on Meetup and met in coffee shops trying to mobilize a young generation of activists, trying to figure out what we can do to better the world. So through our meetings, we created a 13 point agenda and that was focused on trying to break the idea of revolution, which can be very macro and abstract into very 13 concise points for us to then be able to mobilize behind. And the whole idea behind Revolution LA when it started was something that Gene Sharp had mentioned, which is overcoming atomization. And that idea is, the idea behind that is that any oppressive regime keeps its power by keeping people separated. So by bringing people together into collective spaces where they can have dialogue, we can then begin to figure out you know, solutions towards some of the greater problems that we face. All right, well, Phoenix, give me a sense of the 13. Not, you, know, you don't have to go point by point, yeah. but like, what does a revolution in a city like LA look like? <laughs> so even though we started in Los Angeles and it was super grassroots in coffee shops, uh, our vision was very macro and it's very ambitious. To us, we're not Reformation LA, we're Revolution LA. And what that means to us is we want to fundamentally change the system to make a, a, a world ultimately that is more enlightened and in the interests of the common good. And uh, that applies to not only changing uh, economics, public banking was on that and now we're working on that. Uh, it had to do with changing education changing policing, all the macro issues that exist in the world that need changing, we wanna fundamentally transform everything. It was very ambitious for where we started in Little Revolution LA in the coffee shop. But with a lot of you know elbow grease and ambition and will, we took it to where we are today and we're gonna take it farther. One of the last interviews I did was with Naomi Klein and she made a great point about the so-called resistance, which is that Look, there's parts of it that I like. I I, I want to resist Trump, no question about it. And but but she said, if all we do is resist Trump, we're back to the state of affairs that created Trump. So that's not a good place to be. And hence, why I'm a huge believer in the revolution. And and everybody's got a slightly different take on it. Of course, I don't have a 13 point plan like you guys do. So that means you're more organized, and that's awesome. But for me, change me. Revolution means a fundamental. Systemic change, mm-hmm. and and to me the most important systemic change is money out of politics. Otherwise, we can't win on so many of these issues on a national scale. But what you guys are doing in the divestment movement, actually, you can win city by city, state by mm-hmm. state. So and now it's just a different issue because in order to get money out of politics, you need an amendment, and so an amendment is done on a national scale. Now you can still get it state by state and calling for a convention, Article Five convention. Wolf-pack.com. But anyway, <laughs> but when it comes to divesting, what did you guys do in LA, in Divest LA, and did it work? 
So yeah. we wanted to take that visceral anger that was being directed towards Trump and the federal government and redirect that towards our local city government and trying to find solutions that we can act here at the local level. So Divest LA is a grassroots campaign. We initiated that February 2017 and it started the very same day that Seattle City Council divested $3 billion from Wells Fargo. And that was led by Seattle Council members Kashama Sawant and indigenous leaders. And that was done in solidarity with Standing Rock, the struggles at Standing Rock. And divestment was being was used as a tool to, to defund the banks and the energy companies that were building pipelines on indigenous land. So when Seattle divested $3 billion, we knew that Los Angeles had to do the same because Wells Fargo is also the bank that our city primarily banks with. And this is a bank with a very long history of fraud, of corruption, targeting communities of color, illegal foreclosures, unethical investments in destructive environmental projects like the Dakota Access Pipeline, like Keystone XL. So we wanted to be able to use and leverage our economic power to be able to create social change. And so, you know, with the city of Los Angeles, it's it's the second largest city in the country. The third largest metropolitan economy in the world. So for a city of Los Angeles, like Los Angeles to divest, that would send a very powerful message to Wells Fargo and to all big banks that if you finance harm towards our community, we will defund you. So um, Kushama Sawant uh, was a recent guest at Rebel headquarters just, uh, just a little while ago, I think about a week or 10 days ago. And she was talking about these issues and, and when she started actually started a lot of different movements, including the fight for $15 minimum wage long time ago in Seattle. Everybody thought, "Oh, you're crazy, it'll never work, that that change is too big. But it did work, minimum wage now in Seattle is $15. They have divested from Wells Fargo. So did it work here in LA, did they divest from Wells Fargo? Yes. Yes, they did. So Phoenix, talk to us about the process then. Sure. So what did you guys do that led to divest? So. In the, in the early stages, before we even launched that campaign, especially once Trump got elected, um, things started to go into overdrive. And the first phase of our uh, mission uh, was going to be to, to tackle divestment, but it was actually gonna come from a more consumer based. Uh, obviously, you, you know very well bank exit, uh, the idea of, of creating a campaign to get individuals to move their money. But the penny dropped when Kashama Swan did, did what she did. And what we realized was is you can leverage enormous amounts of power by changing what happens through the government. Because with the single stroke of a pen, billions of dollars can be moved. Uh, it's very effective compared to trying to get individuals on a one by one basis, which is important, but we're going for systemic change. So the next phase from there was to create an alliance of, of various progressive organizations that were on board with divestment. And it took a lot of elbow grease, it took a lot of focus because we didn't know what we were doing. But a small group of dedicated people can make a big difference. Yeah. And what that led to ultimately is networking with folks that knew how, how City Hall worked, 
doing homework, figuring out the, the, the ins and outs, power mapping, who is gonna be progressive in City Hall. This is the type of thing we recommend everybody do that wants to get on board, is figure out how to get into City Hall, make the connections, and then push, you know, push for we, the legislation. We knew we would have to out-organize. To go up against a bank like right. Wells Fargo, we would have to outsmart, out-organize them. So we utilized a combination of tactics, including protest and policy. So right at the start of the campaign, we packed the Budget and Finance Committee, we packed the General Council Chambers, we had our, our supporters hold up, LA signs, broadcasting the message to council members and their staffers. We directed our, our supporters to to convey very specific talking points. We created a policy and legislation team and spent weekends reading banking contracts, reviewing banking contracts, writing amendments to these banking contracts. Then we lobbied city council and their staffers on these specific talking points. You know, so wow. we created yeah. a very specific agenda to be able to steer both the movement and LA City Council in a very laser pointed direction. Yeah, what we realized is that it, naturally, there's gonna be a visceral reaction from people who wanna hit the streets and protest something. And what we realize is that protest is good, but it has to be part of a bigger agenda. Yep. Need, it, it needs to be part of an organized uh, mission where protest is part of the plan to actually get City Hall to do a very specific thing. Yeah, I keep mentioning Wolfpack because that's the experience I have. Same exact thing. Look, protests feel good, and sometimes they do make a difference. But it has to be, if you want to do it right, it has to be laser focused. Mm -hmm. Here's our ask. Yes. It's not a general ask, it's a very specific ask. In the case of getting money out of politics, it's voting for a specific resolution at a state level. In your guys' case, it's divesting first yeah. and then public banking. Yeah, we had four actually. So mm -hmm. our four agenda points for divestment was one, for the city of LA to divest from Wells Fargo to withdraw its financial funds. Two, we, we wanted to strengthen the existing banking contracts, the responsible banking ordinance, the request for proposal banking contracts. So we wanted to create a, a socially environmentally responsible framework for how our city does business. Three, we actually went through the investment portfolio of the city of Los Angeles, realized that our public funds or tax dollars are in Chevron, ExxonMobil, Philip Morris, Honeywell Caster Parts, you know, uh, military defense contractors. And we wanted the city to divest and move those funds into social good and, and environmentally responsible funds. And the fourth agenda point was for the city of LA to create a business plan and a feasibility study to create a city owned municipal public bank. So in June of 2017, the summer, the city unanimously voted to Divest $40 million of holdings from Wells Fargo. And then just last month in December, after our Fair Wells Fargo rally that we had on the steps of City Hall, um, the city unanimously voted to, to, to pass the RFP contract, which then effectively disqualified Wells Fargo for their, their CRA rating. And on top of that, they also debundled 800 accounts with Wells Fargo. And they also created a, a social responsibility criteria to their banking contract, which makes uh, Los Angeles RFP contract now the most progressive in the country. So um, when it comes to the money that they moved out, where do they move it to? So that's a really good question. And that's the question, that was the million dollar question uh, when we first started Divest. Or actually 40 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Uh -huh. um, well, more than that. More, I mean, yeah. Because of the commercial <laughs> banking services, $100 million cycles through Wells Fargo. Right. Daily, so daily. It was a lot of money. But the point is, is that 
when we started off, we said divest, great, okay. So then the question is, is well, where do you move the money to? So we had, a, so part of the, all of the pillars, one of our, in our organization, one of the pillars was research. So these, as she was saying, we're going through banking contracts, we're looking at the different bank alternatives, seeing who was investing in the APL, narrowing it down, et cetera. And the dilemma that hit us, which is probably gonna be the dilemma that hits many major cities, especially with, with a, a high population and a lot of money, is that when, yes, you can divest from, from a big bank, but if the, if the city's too big, the only other banks that can handle that sheer volume it's just other Wall Street banks. And so it's good to you know, be punitive towards a really, really bad bank and kind of go towards a better alternative, but the penny dropped. Because as Revolution LA folks, we wanted public banking in a general sense, but it was very abstract in our mind at that point. Is the federal government gonna nationalize it? I mean, it was lofty goals. But then it hit us, well, wait a minute. Can we create a city public bank where we create our own, uh, you know, our own institution that does this? And uh, in the early phases, we just put it as part of Divest LA's agenda, and we knew it was on the back burner. But we knew once we got this thing moving, once divestment happened, that we were going to go for the one-two punch and go right, come out right with Public Bank LA to take it to the finish line. So I want to talk about Public Bank LA in a second, but just. But they moved the money for now. Do you know what they moved it to? So the, the forty public million bank does not exist yet. In most right, of the right. forty million has been divested, and as far as the commercial banking services go, so Wells Fargo is disqualified. So that money now, other banks are going to be able to assume that contract, and by then breaking up the eight hundred contract, that then paves the path for smaller financial institutions like community banks and credit unions to take up some of those services. Okay, I got you. And then before we move on to public banking, one last thing: out of all the different things that you guys tried in trying to get LA to divest, and some of what you outlined here, do you have a sense of what was most effective? Definitely. Leveraging policy and protest, having a very clear agenda, you know, and and building alliances within City Hall, right. you know, advocating those specific agenda. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of activists kind of see the city government as something very kind of cold and detached from from their activist work. Um, so part of this this campaign was was introducing the activist community here. To how the legislative system works, and and you know to our elected officials, and you know our our advice to activists is is, is be bold, and you know don't um, and will and and have the understanding that you can actually educate and inspire a lot of our our elected officials, which which the campaign actually did because you know a lot of the council members actually started reiterating our points as far as social responsibility and public banking. You know when we first started lobbying city council. Most council members and legislative directors viewed it as a very far left field idea. And then come July 2017, seven LA city council members introduced a motion to create a city owned municipal public bank. And just to add to that, pro tip for those folks out there that want to emulate what we did, realize that city council members are people. And some of them are going to be diametrically opposed to your agenda. Some of them might actually be pretty receptive, so don't go in there assuming they're the enemy. Yep. Being able to network with them, earning their trust, you'd be surprised. And also another pro tip, remember to do a lot of the homework for them. 
It's, it's easy yep. to just say, hey, go figure this out. But you know, they're dealing with a lot of the other issues that they have to deal with other than you know, what's on the agenda that moment in front of them. So if you can bring them the numbers, bring them the, the game plan, it'll, it'll facilitate a smoother mm -hmm. process. Yeah, no, it's wonderful and it's the same thing I hear, not only from the experience that I have with state legislators that are much more receptive than national legislation. Mm -hmm. For the national representatives, if you're not coming with a check, they're not talking to you, right? Yeah. right? Yep. But at the state level and the city level, you, you'd be shocked at how much democracy that actually exists and how great it is when you participate in it. And you guys aren't professional lobbyists or politicians. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you just decided to do this, and all of a sudden you got a revolution on your hands, at least on this <laughs> issue, right? And mm -hmm. it's a giant issue. Mm -hmm. So, which brings us to, to Public Bank LA. You guys are both co founders of that. So, let me throw it to you guys. What is public banking for the people who don't know? So, first of all, private banking, to provide a little context, is is done in the name of profits for shareholders. But they have a very powerful tool at their disposal. And that tool basically is the power to create money and to leverage through fractional reserve lending. And that, that breathes life into the economy. And so the, in whose interest the banks are run, at the end of the day, determines almost everything else in the economy, because everything requires money. The, Simple common sense solution to a lot of the economic issues that we have is to put the interest of those who have the power to create money, to put the interest of that into the interest of the people, right? So you wanna make sure that if the banks are able to use this power on behalf of social responsibility, environmental responsibility, to do so with transparency, then that ultimately at the end of the day is the ideal banking system. It's, it's I think the elephant in the room where since Occupy where a lot of people came out with the pitchforks and just knew viscerally, we don't like the banks. Uh, now what, right? The solution is the public bank solution at both the municipal level and the state level. So Trinity, how, how would a public bank work? Uh, does a city set it up, does a state set it up? And then when they do, how does it work? I mean, presumably it's not for profit, so what what so, what's the incentives, etc. Right now in Los Angeles, we pay a hundred and over a hundred million dollars in interest and fees that go straight to the coffers of Wall Street. Um, our infrastructure projects, half fifty percent of the cost of our infrastructure projects are also interest and fees that goes goes directly to Wall Street. So if we have a city-owned bank. All of that money stays within our city. It gets redirected back into the community so that it can fund low interest student loans, it can fund low income housing, it can fund green energy project. We have with Los Angeles financial portfolio, we have we manage about five billion dollars in annual revenue, and that's our taxpayer dollars. On top of that, we manage about four to twelve billion in cash and up to forty-five billion in investments. So that's that's a tremendous amount of money that that we can use to, to double our investment power within our community. So let me try to break it down a little bit more. So where does a public bank get its money from? So the, essentially what a public bank would be. And there's already an example, by the way, in the United States, in North Dakota, the Bank of North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, it's going to be an exemplar for how other future public banks emerge. Although there might be some minor differences that change as well. How's that for irony? You guys are doing Divest yes. LA to get, <laughs> you know, 
get Wells Fargo money uh, or get LA money out of Wells Fargo because of what they've done in North Dakota, in North Dakota. Uh, with yep. Dapple. And it turns out North Dakota is the bastion of liberal banking. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny irony. You are right about that. Yeah. Um, the way that they work is it's the it is the uh, bank. It's the it, it is the state of North Dakota doing business as the Bank of North Dakota, right? Mm -hmm. So in Los Angeles, it would be the same thing. It would be Los Angeles uh, or the Bank of Los Angeles would be the DBA of the city of Los Angeles. Um, it would raise, it would fund itself initially through uh, through surplus funds that they have in, on deposits. Uh, they could also issue bonds in order to raise the funds initially. But at the end of the day, it's a bank. So they make loans and banks make money, right? So it, mm -hmm. would, it would be a for-profit entity. The difference is, is rather than that profit going to private interests, it's profit for the public, basically. And it's interesting to note that the Bank of North Dakota is more profitable than Goldman Sachs. And really, 17% a year. 17% return on investment. When you compare that with commercial <laughs> banks, which hovers around 4%. And they weather the 2008 financial crisis a lot better than the private counterparts do. Why do you guys think that is? Because, first of all, you know, especially in the post you know, Glass Steagall era, these banks are casinos. Right, and if you put it into perspective, we pay tax dollars. A portion of that tax dollars has to get siphoned off towards paying interest and fees to Wall Street for managing the city's money. It's kind of insanity if you think about it. And so they're they're actually extracting our tax dollars, and then they're using that money that they that 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 is public money to then reloan out out of the country into things like the Dakota Access Pipeline, and then into risky speculative gambling, it's, it's insanity. So the reason why the public banking option is better is because by having a charter to make it explicitly designed, it's by design to serve the public, by design to serve the people, and also by design to be stable, they're not, they're not playing a casino game. They have a mission statement of developing the local economy. So by, by its very nature, it's gonna be more stable. Right. To be fair, you know, now that I think about it, North Dakota also has an advantage because they got a lot of energy in North Dakota. That's true. And if they invested in in some of those projects, probably got a good return in that particular state. But but overall, it is still a stunning difference in in percentages. So, in in the case of North Dakota, where did they get the money for the bank initially? Do you guys know? Well, interestingly, it started in 1919. Oh wow! Okay, it's nearly a century. Old a century. Yeah, yeah, I really so didn't know that. A bunch okay. of small farmers basically were getting gouged by big business interests, many of which were out of state. Um, so they actually created something called the Nonpartisan League, because they connected both right wing and left wing interests. Believe it or not, because there's a right wing element to this. Folks though that are fiscal conservatives can appreciate that it saves tax dollars. It's mm -hmm. local determination. So they were able to, to create a combined coalition to actually lobby. For the public bank, they had a, a progressive party that got into power, and they used the deposits of the state to basically move from the public, the private banks that they were already in, and then just moved it into the public entity that they created. So, Trinity, does a public bank do anything other than lend out for the city or the state that it represents? Like, can 
Joe Blow, who's sitting in North Dakota, put their money into the Bank of North Dakota or no? Well, the bank, the Municipal Bank of Los Angeles would start out as a banker's bank, where it would be a place for us to house house the all, all of our tax revenue. And in a later stage, it would then could possibly open up to a retail bank. But as of now, the bank would partner with local banks. So it wouldn't compete with community banks and credit unions. But what it would do would it, it help extend their credit lines so that they can help, you know, for instance, the the unbanked and the underbanked population in in Los Angeles, they would be able to extend their credit lines to be able to fund low income housing. You know, with 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 community banks handling housing loans, they they would be able to offer offer low interest loans. So you know, in Los Angeles, for instance, our unbanked we have three out of ten Angelenos are unbanked or underbanked, and that means thirty percent of our population. Don't have real access or adequate access to a checking or savings account. So, um, let me hit you with a couple of conservative talking points and see where your response is. They'll say, no, no, no. If you don't have the profit motive, you get a bunch of bureaucrats in there, and they'll run the bank like they run the post office, and it'll be a disaster, and the people of LA will lose money. All right. Okay. How do you guys respond? Uh, well, the very first low-hanging fruit to answer that is the empirical evidence that we already have from North Dakota. Sorry, it's profitable. It's run pretty well, and there's proof of that. There's another model we look to as well. It's the Sparkast model in Germany. They also have regional public banking as well. Mm-hmm. They're run well. The key is is to not just throw a bunch of incompetent bureaucrats like their stereotype might might paint the picture of, but. It's important that the, that, that the bank is constructed in a way to actually get financial experts, to have these experts accountable. It's not all uh, you know, pie in the sky, uh, bleeding heart uh, policies. It's supposed to actually be profitable within socially and environmentally responsible guidelines. And I think it's very cynical to assume that you could only be profitable if you're, you're exploitative. Right, and and so it's not like you guys are going to hire a bunch of hippies that don't know anything about exactly. banking, right? The public <laughs> bank is going to hire presumably people in the financial industry. Yeah, absolutely, they have and to be experts, of course. And then you have to pay market rates to be mm-hmm. able to get people in in the industry to to work in those banks, etc. You just don't need to pay gazillion dollar bonuses because exactly. you did 100%. derivatives trading mm-hmm. off the exactly. books. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Think yeah. of it. Here's a good. Here's a good analogy. Right. Think about a concept like the military. Right. I don't necessarily mean the empire of the United States, but any military any country right. might have. It's paid for by tax dollars. And think about a general in the military. It's a prestigious position. Right. Mm-hmm. It it carries with it some you know this prestige that you need to to work your way up through merit. You have to show that you know what you're doing and and prove your honor and whatever to the to the to the nation. And they're public servants in a sense. Why can't bankers be like that? Do they don't they don't need to make obscene money? But as public servants, and this is the key fact of public banking too, rather than being private profiteers, bankers should be public servants accountable to the people. And in doing so, they can earn these prestigious titles like head of the bank, but still not earn you know, 10, 20 million dollars a year. Yeah. So look, I, you know, I say this on the show all the time to some people's chagrin. I'm a capitalist, and I think that 
private corporations need to make sneakers and cars, <laughs> right? Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not for universal healthcare coverage, I am. I think the government needs to do some things and the private industry needs to do other things. And so it's just a matter of where we draw the lines. So to me, uh, anything that creates equality of opportunity should right. be done uh, in the public sphere. So we can't have private corporations running the fire department. As you can like, just think about it for one second to <laughs> absorb what a disastrous idea that is. Oh No, Bob, you didn't pay for fire insurance, so right. your house is burnt down. Oh No, now the whole neighborhood's burnt down, right? And I would say that's true of public uh, health care as well. You don't have much equality if you're dead. Uh, so, and we know that it can work prisons. to your, yeah, and and prisons. Yeah. Yes, we can't have private prisons, etc. Mm -hmm. Right. So you guys are just extending it by one extra industry, mm -hmm. and to me, the most logical part of it is, well, why are we paying all those fees to other banks exactly. if a state or a city mm -hmm. can do it and keep the public money within the public sphere? It's just a lot of logic. Exactly, because we we earn next, you know, zero interest with our money sitting in commercial banks. So why not have that money be redirected and and help the long term prosperity of our communities? It's just the it's the logical evolution of the financial system. That 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 sense that you just had right now of well, it's obvious if you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. We believe that too, and we believe that if we just keep on getting this message out, creating a movement, the vision is this is the big picture vision is that we want major cities across the entire US to create public banks. We want states everywhere to create public banks. And to me, that's a revolution. It's a revolutionary thing. Because imagine, hypothetically, there's, there's public banks littering the landscape. Right? Mm -hmm. Every major city has self-determination through these. Every major state has it, every state has it. Imagine what kind of a world that would create. You have a world of self-determination, you have a world of, of money going into social responsibility, uh, environmental responsibility, uh, or responsible projects. Uh, it's, it's a game changer. And to me, I think that if we just get this message out there, it's gonna spark. Yeah, and the other thing that I, I agree with is, let's try it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's no, I mean, that's we're supposed to be a, I don't know, test tube for democracy, etc. So there's no reason why local municipalities, etc., can't try these ideas. Right. And and like you say, there's already a couple of successful yeah, examples. It's happening right and if it turns out we try 17 of them and 14 of them go bankrupt, then I'm gonna I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's I mean, right now, right the the temperature is here for this to happen right now. The city of Oakland just partnered with the county of Alameda and the city of Berkeley to fund a hundred thousand dollar feasibility study. The city of Seattle just earmarked a hundred thousand dollars for a feasibility study. The city of San Francisco. Francisco now created a nine-person task force to explore public banking. The city of Santa Fe completed their feasibility study, said it was feasible. You know, you know, across the across the country, the the governor of New Jersey just introduced the public banking bill to create a state a public bank for the state of New Jersey. In Michigan, Republican and Democrat lawmakers introduced a bipartisan bill to create a public bank. So this is this is a, an idea whose time has come. And the governor of New Jersey that proposed that used to work at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> yeah. So you can't say he doesn't know finance. Right. Yep. The thing is, is the barrier to entry is actually it's not as big as people think because you can be somebody that does not care one iota about the social responsibility aspect, but you're like a, a city hall bureaucrat. But if you look at this and go, wait. All this money that we're that's being siphoned out of the uh, out of the city can just be recycled, and that could be profits for us. We can make money off this. 
that's a win-win. Yeah, no, no question that it's a super interesting idea and on one worth testing on on a bigger scale and and see what we so see what we wind up coming with. I mean, it's there's a lot of logic in it. And and speaking of equality for opportunity, equality of opportunity, then you won't have redlining, right? You won't have a lot of the abusive practices. The Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, foreclosed on someone, a little, literally a little, little old lady, because she didn't pay thirty nine cents, and it was an obvious miscommunication. They're like, no, but we want your house. We're going to profit off your misery. Exactly. And and if you've got a public bank, presumably they're not allowed to do that because it's. Mm-hmm. And to me, I always talk about the code. That's why I want an amendment to get money out of politics. Sorry, I keep going back to that, but it's just my experience. It's relevant because that's rewriting the code to give the. So then the program is designed to do something else, yeah. right? In this case, the program would be designed to serve the community rather than sometimes allowing it to be rapacious. For only private profits. Well put. Yeah. yeah. So that's okay, it's great. So how can people help? Well, well, with divestment, divest with the divestment movements that's happening right now, it's the it's naturally segueing into public banking. But we, you know, we hope that what we did it can inspire activists all across the country to rise up because at the end of the day, divestment from Wells Fargo was was created by a, a core team of about ten people, a larger volunteer base of about a hundred people. With you know, we're all volunteers. We had did this with no money, with no financial background, and you know, we hope that this inspires people to mobilize within their communities, network within city council and let your elected officials know that you want your your money divested from from financial institutions that finance harm to then create a a pathway towards public banking. Do you guys have a website for folks who want to help in LA? Yes, divestla.com, it also links to Public Bank LA. You know, anyone who's interested, please reach out to us. We're putting together a divestment toolkit and we'll follow up and send that to you as well as a national call that we plan on putting together. Another great resource is the indigenous led organization mazaskatalks.org. They have a lot of great resources on their website. So we'll put those links down below in the description box on YouTube, and and so just click on it, check it out, and and so not only can they help in LA, but you guys can help direct them to folks nationwide. Nationwide, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we great. encourage folks on in their own volition, even if there isn't anything yet in your city, start it. We did it. You can do it too. So let me end on that. Look to to. All the folks watching out there, there's two main points to take away from this interview, okay? One is the public banking situation, divestment first, because why allow, especially if you live in a progressive city, why allow your money to go to people who've done things that are against your interest? It makes no sense. That's clear, okay? And then you've got this public banking idea, and that's really interesting, and it's a way to, to, to again, take power into your own hands, use democracy, etc. But, but the second thing that I want you to take away from is what we've been seeing in so many interviews over just the last couple of months. Whether it was the folks in Michigan who organized on Facebook to end gerrymandering in their state and gathered 425,000 signatures out of nowhere, which is amazing. Whether it's you guys, whether it's the groups that I talk about, Wolfpack, Just Democrats, etc. It is actual human beings that it's not magic. They're, <laughs> they've got day jobs, they volunteer, they took on a project, and, and you can do it too, whether it's this issue or another issue that animates you. So, Phoenix and Trinity, talking to you guys is greatly encouraging to see what people are capable of if they just gather in a local cafe, come up with a good idea, and then organize around mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 
And I'd like to also point one thing out as a specific action step we'd like to, to inspire people for. It's 2018. Major elections are coming up, and we believe that this is a one issue that so far has been underreported, but I think it's on the verge of blowing up. So we'd like to explicitly tell the folks everywhere listening, make sure that whoever's running, whoever you're a constituent of, that you're gonna that you're gonna be voting for, you make sure that they address the public banking issue, and we can spread this, you know, like wildfire. All right, Phoenix Goodman, Trinity Tran, thank you, thank you for doing what you've done and for being great citizens. My thank pleasure, you, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you.